The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. The Gospel of the Lord. God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us, be also now between us a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I told... uh, Taylor, before this started, you know, I get excitable, so just be careful. He said, I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about the spittle that's going to fly into the first row. <laughs> so it's going to be kind of like Gallagher, you know, I'm going to smash a watermelon. So get your rain jacket ready. Randy, thank you for the invitation. It's an honor and a blessing to be here. Come on down. Come on down. And if you are my age, maybe a little younger and definitely older, you will know what comes next, right? Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. That's right. Bob Barker. It was great. I used to love to be sick as a child because (laughs) what it meant was that I would get out of school. So that's great, right? What kid doesn't love that? But I got seven up. We never had 7-Up in the house. And when I was sick, my mom would always bring 7-Up. So I thought that's what everybody did. And then Mary's family, it was ginger ale. And I said, I was sick. Would you give me some 7-Up if you're at the store? She said, what do you want 7-Up for? I said, that's what everybody drinks when they're sick. So I get 7-Up, and I also get to lie down on the sofa all day long and watch game shows. And the 70s, giving my age away, if you couldn't tell, Um, You're like, 70s? How about the 60s? Um, So the 70s was a heyday for great game shows, right? The Price is Right, Tattletales, The Pyramid. I'm not sure exactly how much it was. It changed through the years. And all the others, you know, Monty Hall. And it always involved someone that, or a lot of them involved, someone that was waiting patiently. And then they would call their name. 
Sally Jones, come on down. And she would have this excited look on her face and just be hyperventilating and just running like a just crazy woman to the front where she would then win a washer or a dryer or something like that. And it was great because you just almost felt the excitement of being called, right? And a lot of times they had crazy costumes and all of this. But it highlights something in human nature. I think that's why I loved it so much. Something in all of us wants to be called. Something in every one of us wants to be chosen. We want to belong in a way that is special. And so when that name is called, it's not only saying our name. Don't you love it when somebody knows your name? Even if you've only met them once. I wish I had that, that gift. I don't. But when they say it, it's like, wow. You know, I matter to this person. They care about me enough to know my name. And it makes you feel special and chosen and like you belong in some special way. But we all want someone to see us. And it changes us in a lot of important ways. We've all felt that excitement. And just like we've felt the excitement on one side of that coin, we've also felt it on the other side, which is where we're not called, which is where someone forgets us. Um, I always tell my wife, I never want to go to the parties, right? I'd rather sit at home and watch TV. But I want to be invited, right? I just want to be invited. I'll see on social media, you know, somebody's gone on some great couple's trip. I'll be like, well, why didn't we get invited to that? And then they'll be like, well, we don't even really know them, John. And I'll say, I don't care. I just want to be invited, right? I want to feel like I belong, like it would have been possible that I could be on a beach in, you know, Jamaica or whatever it is. Not getting invited to the party, being chosen last for basketball, getting passed over for promotion, losing your job, and the list goes on and on. Those times where we have not been chosen or selected, where we don't feel like we belong, where we don't feel special, where we are imbued with some sense of shame that separates us. Come on down. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. That's about what a lot of us know about Zacchaeus, right? If we've heard a sermon about him, we've probably forgotten it. I know that I would if I didn't have to preach on it, right? Um, Most likely. But we've heard kids at vacation Bible school sing this song. Maybe it's your child, your grandchild. Maybe you sang it about the wee little man Zacchaeus. We don't really know much about him other than that he's short and he climbed a tree. We really don't know anything about the story. We just know the song, right? And these words, come on down, are literally spoken by our Lord and our Savior in this gospel. Come down, I'm going to eat at your house today. Talk about feeling special, right? I mean, he speaks to Zacchaeus, and let's just set it up here. Uh, What's going on? Who is he? Where is he? All of that stuff. Um, Zacchaeus is a tax collector or a toll collector in his case, which is the same thing. You're taking money from people. And in the ancient world, we all know that a tax collector represented the system, and he would take money from people. 
would collect taxes. And so, much like today, none of us really like paying tolls or taxes of any kind. We know they're good, but we still don't like doing it, right? Um, and so they didn't really like Zacchaeus. And in the ancient world, the tax collector was different than today. The tax collector represented the government, and as long as the government, Rome, got a little of what they were wanting, they got their quota, the tax collector could do whatever he wanted. If you wanted to skim a little bit extra off the top, have at it. We'll even have these centurions protect you. If you want to extort money from people, go ahead, do it. And so Zacchaeus was not exactly the greatest neighbor or the greatest person in town, at least in the eyes of everyone. They were notorious for being cheats. They represented a system. And if the system is seen as corrupt, which Rome was, then you were the chief of corruption, right, in your area, the personification of corruption. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, toll collector in Jericho, which was an area that was a hustling and bustling trade route. And so he had even more opportunity to do that, to cheat others out of their money. And this interaction between Jesus, Jesus had set his face to go to Jerusalem in chapter 9, and he was on his way to show what it meant to be a Savior, what it meant to bring salvation to people, right? As he made his way to Jerusalem. And this is one of the last things he does before he triumphantly enters the city, is he has this run-in with Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Um, And so in chapter 9, he called his disciples in chapter 4, which Jesus kind of reiterates at the end of today's gospel um, when he announced what he was going to do. Using the words of the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is what Jesus is doing, showing us all what that means, teaching his disciples what it means to do that in the name of God. So Zacchaeus is a short guy. We know that because the scripture tells you that he's short. It didn't say he was, you know, of ruddy complexion or particularly handsome or a great uh, joke teller. Nothing good, right? Because everybody knew that or had heard that Jesus, this man was healing people. He was bringing sight to the blind. I want to see this. But Zacchaeus is kept out because of the crowd, right? They literally have their backs to him and won't let him in. It was actually, someone like Zacchaeus in a crowd was a threat to be beat up because of who he was and his position. So he was being vulnerable just by being in this place. And add to that the vulnerability of having to climb a tree. And no one would make room for him. Right? Have you ever you know, grabbed arms with people and then somebody couldn't find a way and so you kind of opened up and made room for them so they felt welcome? No one did that for Zacchaeus. And so Zacchaeus is in the tree. Jesus looks up and he says, come down, I'm going to have dinner at your house. And so Zacchaeus goes to the house where he has this interaction with the Lord and then he says, I'm going to give half of what I have away. And I'm even going to make restitution to anybody that I cheat or I've cheated. And so when Jesus calls him down, all the people do what people do. What we would all do. Have you seen that? Jesus is having dinner with a sinner. Jesus is having dinner with a tax collector. And you know what they're like. I wonder if Jesus is like that. But Jesus doesn't care. 
and he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house anyway. Many view this as a story of conversion, of repentance. Zacchaeus is so overcome by being in the presence of Jesus that he just says, I'm going to give everything away, and, uh, or at least half, and then I'm going to make restitution. Even more than Moses told us to do, right? Even more than the Torah tells us to do. I'm going to go overboard with this. And so you could say, well, you need to be like Zacchaeus. Give away your money. And then you too will get salvation. Kind of a quid pro quo, this for that. And it's stewardship season, so I could stand up here and tell you, be like Zacchaeus. You know, ante up, folks. We got to pay the light bill. And in a way, if you're viewing it like that, then that's what Jesus is saying, isn't it? Because Zacchaeus has anteed up to God and given his money, you will now get salvation. I'm going to punch your card. I don't think that's what's going on. I don't think that this is an imperative. Do this or else. Be more like this. I don't think it's a directive, right? Because if it was a directive, no one back then would have listened to it just like no one here would listen to it. If you want to get a kid to take a cookie out of the cookie jar, tell them they can't do it and put it on top of the refrigerator. Before you know it, half the cookies will be gone. We don't want to be told what to do, right? This directive, do this or else. I'll show you, right? That doesn't seem very grace-filled. And it certainly isn't in line with what Jesus said his ministry was about, bringing release to captives, bringing sight to the blind, letting the captives go free. So what is it about? I mean, how does it apply to us? Because at the end of the day, that's what we care about. I mean, you know, let's be honest. If it doesn't have to do with our life today, we're going to walk right out the back door and say, you want to go to Chipotle or to uh, Friday's if it was still open? So we got to have another place. You wouldn't care. I mean, it's Holy Scripture, so you'd revere it. But if it doesn't apply to your life, then it's just words spoken 2,000 years ago. But Zacchaeus speaks to us. It speaks to me anyway, right? And I'm always preaching to myself. What's it about? Well, this is where I think it's important to look at every word in Holy Scripture and to read different translations. So I'm going to talk about the Greek. I know. Your eyes are now rolling back in your head and you're saying, blah, 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 blah. We know you went to divinity school. You know, big deal. But it's important because our reading today, the NRSV, is has Zacchaeus saying, I will give my money. I will do this now that I've been in touch with you. So they're saying it's, it's this reaction, this interaction that has changed him. And that's great, right? Except for that the Greek and the tense that is used really should be read this way, in my opinion. I give. I already do this. I give half my wealth away. I already, if, I, if I wronged anybody, I'll make restitution. I think a way to look at it is that Zacchaeus is coming to Jesus and saying, why will they not give me a chance? They are judging me because of my job and assuming this is what I'm like. I don't do that, Jesus. Why won't they let me be a part of the community? I am a child of Abraham. 
And they are making me climb this tree of shame. He must be like all the others. I'm sure he's a cheat just like the others are. You know how they are. Jesus. They think I'm a sinner. They do not see me. They do not know me. They are blind to me. So the story becomes one of Jesus calling the outcast into community. Calling him down and including him. Even at the cost of his own reputation. Of saying, I don't care who people think you are. I want to know you. And I know whose you are. And that is a child of God. He is reconciling Zacchaeus to union and God and community and giving Zacchaeus what every human being in this holy space wants. And that is compassion, sympathy, and non-judgmental relationship. And it is at that point that the lightning strikes and you change. That is grace. Wow. What if, what if we could do that? I mean, really do that. I mean, not just pat somebody on the back at coffee hour at church and then sit at lunch while a group of people assassinates their character and say nothing. Or maybe join in a little bit. I mean, what if we could really do that? But that's not all, is it? Because it's not just about bringing others into community and seeing, truly seeing others and having compassion, although it is part of that. It's also about this. Every single person in this space has been in a tree of shame. You have been in a place where you have felt that you don't belong. You have been judged unfairly. Or maybe you've been judged fairly, but nobody will allow you to get past your past. And they have forced you, maybe smiling the whole way. Maybe patting you on the back to climb a tree just to feel like you're a part of community. Jesus gives that compassion, that sympathy, that non-judgmental hand to Zacchaeus. And he gives it to each and every one of us here today as well. He calls us by name and calls us out of... says that for shame to survive, it needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. And when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we challenge judgment. And that shame begins to end. She talks about J.R. Malik at Boston College who did a study on what people consider normative in male-female roles in society. And this is what a majority of women said. That's to be thin, nice, modest, and spend your resources on appearance. For men, what's normative is to keep your emotions in control, to consider work a priority, to seek status, and to view violence as a way to solve problems. And if you don't fit in with those, 
you just might find yourself in a tree of shame. And it's not always the people you think are going to put you there. Sometimes it's the people that love you the most. Because real vulnerability, real community scares people. And they don't know what to do with it. Community can make us feel like a mistake. But Jesus tells us that we're not. Jesus tells us that we are enough and that we belong. A woman overheard a father and a daughter saying goodbye at the airport. And she couldn't help it. She does what we all do, is listen to other people's conversations. And so she's sitting there and she's listening to them kind of in dialogue. And then this man, who's a little bit older for a daughter her age, she's probably post-college, you know, in 20s, maybe early 30s. But he is obviously older than someone that would have a child that age. And so um, he hugs his daughter and won't let go. And he says, I love you and I wish you enough. And she says, Dad, our life together has been more than enough. Your love is all I've ever needed. I wish you enough too. I love you. And then she turned and she got on the plane. And he stood there wistfully kind of looking at the plane um, as it taxied from the gate. And um, then he kind of said out loud, probably knowing that this woman was eavesdropping, knowing she could hear him. He said, did you ever say goodbye to someone knowing it would be forever? And she said, yeah, I have, but why do you say that? He said, well, I've got some health problems. I'm older. My daughter lives a long way away, and I just feel it. I feel like it may be goodbye for good. And then she kind of engaged in conversation. She said, when you were saying goodbye, I heard you say, I wish you enough. Well, what, what is that? What's that all about? He started laughing. He said, well, this is something that's just been handed down from generation to generation in our family. My parents said it to us, and it's just kind of a, I wish you enough. It's from a poem. And then he read her the poem from memory. I wish you enough sun to keep your attitude bright. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive. I wish you enough pain so that the smallest joys in life appear much bigger. I wish you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I wish you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess. I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbye. Come on down. This day, Jesus calls your name. And he says that you are enough. And he invites you to his table where you will sit with him and hear him call you son or daughter. He will take away that shame and that judgment that has maybe plagued your life. May we have the courage to do the same for others. To come to the table of God. Come on down. Amen.